speaking up is is such an important element of communication and so many people shy away from it because they have a belief that is this communication means confrontation communication does not mean confrontation and by believing they're one and the same we are denying ourselves beautiful wonderful opportunities for connection welcome to the life in paradise podcast the show about creating a life you never need a vacation from you'll gain inspiration from those who have done it before as we share experiences strategies and offer practical steps you can take to live your dream life in paradise with your host attorney turned alchemist dawn fleming my guest today is renee marino she's a professional communication coach and she is the author of the book, Becoming a Master Communicator. Renee helps people who want more confidence and success to learn to communicate effectively to reach their dreams. She also uses her well-rounded experience of communicating through various mediums to train companies, organizations, schools, and universities in strengthening their communication skills. Renee was the female lead, Mary Delgado, in the film Jersey Boys directed by Clint Eastwood. She's been featured in People.com's Ones to Watch, Variety, The Huffington Post. Her Broadway credits include Pretty Woman, The Musical, West Side Story, Jersey Boys, Chaplin, and Wonderland. She's toured North America with Cats, Disney's High School Musical, and Jersey Boys. As a coach, keynote speaker, and longtime performer, Renee Marino has inspired people worldwide with her energy, relatability, and authentic spirit. I am so excited to have you here, Renee. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview. You're so welcome. I'm very happy to be here. I started doing book reviews this year, once a month. And last month, we kicked off with The Good Life, uh, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. And as the listeners know, what that book said was the biggest determiner of health, happiness, and longevity is relationships. Mm. And you being uh, an expert on communication, you know that the importance of communication with respect to relationships. So rather than me reviewing your book, I said, let's bring on Renee and give her an opportunity to talk about that because uh, we met um, at our author mastermind in North Carolina in December. And um, she gave a very inspirational talk. It was really exciting. And I'm just thrilled. I I think you're the first movie star I've ever interviewed. Ah! So (laughs) I'm very, I'm very honored. (laughs) Such a thrill for me. So um, why don't we just start out with what made you write this book? Dawn, I saw such a need for help in the communication space. And communication is so broad, as we know. And back in 2019, my former career was as a professional actress on Broadway and film and TV. And in 2018-19, I was doing Pretty Woman, the musical on Broadway. And I knew at this point that I wanted to write a book. It was something like many of you, I had always talked about doing. I'm going to do it someday, someday. And it was as if just talking about it made me believe that my dream was being safely kept alive in the arms of my words. But I wasn't taking the action to make it happen. And a little bit before that, actually, 2017, I started with the show doing a workshop And it was the night before Thanksgiving, 
and I'm watching a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving on the television. And I just heard myself again say, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And I was like, you know what? Gosh, darn it, Renee, enough about talking it, do it. And I sat down and I told myself, just write the first line. And that night I wrote the first page. And then as time went on, this my full-time job was as a professional actress. So eight shows a week, one day off a week there one day. Yeah. One day off a week. Um, not a lot of extra time, but I was writing the book as I was doing the musical. And when I was thinking about what part of communication I wanted the book to be about, I was at a restaurant with a friend of mine and we're catching up. And next to us, it's a family of five, two parents, a teenage son, and then two young children. And the entire meal dawn, no one spoke because they all had their heads down in a digital device. And my heart sank because all I could think was, wow, they are missing these beautiful moments of connection to be behind a screen. And that's when I was like, boop, light bulb went off. This is what the book needs to be about. And the book is Becoming a Master Communicator. And the subtitle is Balancing New School Technology with Old School Simplicity. And for me, it's all about helping people to realize that in this digital world we live in, we have more outlets to communicate than ever before. But because of that, we are choosing convenience over true connection. And this book is about getting us back to that real authentic communication because that communication is what builds relationships, both in the personal sense and in the business sense. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. I I see that all the time. I mean, it, you know, you, you see that and you're like, wow. Um, you know, and, and even, you know, you've probably been out with, with friends or whatever. And I just, it's something that I've become very conscious of to like, put that phone away, put it in a, we were just at a concert actually in Atlanta, paid a lot of money for these concert tickets. And these two women sitting next to us were like on their phones the whole time. Yep. And I finally, I said something, I'm like, do you mind? Do you realize I flew here from Mexico Yeah. To come to this concert? Yes. Like, I don't want your screen distracting me from enjoying this, you know, beautiful orchestra hall. It was, it was shocking to me, but it, you, and, and they weren't the only ones. I mean, it was, um, it was really eye-opening. Um, I hadn't, I can't remember the last time I went to a live concert before. So I guess it yes. you know, <laughs> was yeah. out of practice, but, but yeah, I think we really need to um, be cognizant of that, which leads me into and and you you can kind of guide me where we want to go with the, with the book but the thing one of the things that jumped out to me in the book was the virtual etiquette yes yes virtual can you talk about that a little bit absolutely i started my my business as a communication coach it just happened to be when i decided to I like to say activate my other gifts. I'd been a performer for decades and decades. And because I started writing this book, I knew I wanted this book to be published. I wanted to do something in the communication space. And that's when I decided to become a coach. And a few months later, no, not even a month later, the world shut down. And it ended up being perfect timing because even if I wanted to perform, I couldn't have. But during that time, I realized that so many people struggle with getting on video, struggle with how to present themselves in the virtual space because many people haven't done it. And especially a certain generation of people like I know my mother and and her friends, it's not as familiar as it would be for me, right? So yeah. 
I recognized that there was a, a need in this in this space. And I said, you know what? I'm going to create a course. So I created a course called Connecting on Camera, which has been really great. And in that course and in the book, I talk about virtual etiquette. And virtual etiquette is remembering that even though you're behind a screen, you are still connecting with human beings. So there needs to be a set of, I like to say loose guidelines. So that way you can make that connection feel as much like an in-person connection that it possibly can. So the first thing is when you get on a video, have your space set right? Like I, when I do my videos, I'm always here. This is my background. I have a cool little thing on my wall. The background, you know, you want it to be non-distracting. You want to become what I call distraction proof. Because when we are in the virtual space, especially on a Zoom like this or presenting for our company, um, for on Teams or any of these, these applications, we want to be distraction proof because we want them to be listening to what we're saying and not like, oh, what's that thing on Renee's wall? Is that her husband or her father? I wonder who that is, right? Because then what happens is that second conversation goes somewhere else and now we've lost them. So setting your space so you're in a quiet space, having lighting where you can be seen because that's the whole point of video, right? making sure that your background is simple, what you're wearing is repre representing you at your best, but also not a lot of patterns or logos because again, that can distract. And when you are on a virtual call or a video meeting, realizing that even though that person isn't sitting next to you, they can feel your energy when you check out. So Please close out all the extra tabs on your computer. You can shoe shop later. <laughs> Make right. sure that your phone, and this is a really interesting uh, study that I included in the book, but if you have your smartphone close by, that still proves to be a distraction. There was a study done called the iPhone effect that looked at two people in a conversation face-to-face -face at a cafe and there was a cell phone out on the table. Neither person looked at the phone. Neither person picked up the phone. But that phone still proved to lessen the quality of the conversation. And it proved to be a distraction. So when you're in the virtual space, do your best. Put that phone away. Because I, I say this in the book, we've become like Pavlov's dogs. Where the second we're in a conversation and a notification goes off or a ding goes off on our phone. Boom, we've checked out and now we've checked into our digital device. And that's really off-putting for the other person. And Dawn, I'm sure you felt like this. For those listening, we've all experienced this where you're in a conversation and maybe you're sharing something really important to you and you're looking for that person's um, support or you just want that person to, to hear what you're saying and you're talking and you're going and all of a sudden they pick up their phone and they answer a text. And it's like, oh my gosh. And you feel disrespected. Sometimes you just feel like now I'm going to shut down and it's really a problem. And I just want to shine a light on this problem because when we get hold of it, then we can use those digital devices to add to our communication as opposed to taking away. Because what I'm seeing is a lot, a lot of miscommunication, a lot of issues arising because our, our focus has waned. Um, we are 
believing that we're multitaskers and that's false because there's no such thing. We're task switching, right? So I'm talking to you and then I'm answering a text and then I'm like, oh, make sure, can you get me that sandwich at the store? Thanks. And then you're opening tabs on the computer. And before you know it, you, you're like, what was I doing? Yeah. And that shows up in our communication, especially when we're in conversations, we, we are checking out. So it's, it's a big problem. And hopefully this book will, will help people to, start to have self-awareness around this and then think twice and be like, okay, I can put my phone away. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the things you talk about in the book is you say communication is like breathing. Yes. Yes. Think about this. When we are breathing, we don't, we don't think about it on, on a moment to moment basis until something goes wrong. Maybe we have an anxiety attack, right? We we have a panic attack. All of a sudden we can't catch our breath and it's like, <gasps> I can't breathe. And now we're super aware of our breath. The same holds true with communication. We often don't go around thinking about how am I communicating with Dawn? Am I hearing what she's saying? Is she receiving what I'm saying? We don't think about that when it comes to communication until a problem arises, right? Mm-hmm a friend we haven't heard from in a while and you're thinking, what happened? And then before you know it, that friend's like, oh, well, last time when I spoke to you and you said blah, 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 and you're like, whoa, what? Or in the in the business space, you send out an email to your boss or your coworker assuming, right? That's the dangerous word there, assuming they received it. And then before you know it, you're talking to your boss and your boss is like, you know, Dawn, we need to have a talk. Um, I asked you for that document. You never sent it. And you're like, what? What? Because you never took the time to check in. Hey, I just want to make sure you received this, right? These little shifts that we can make that then make us, that awareness makes our communication that much more powerful. And just like breathing, Dawn, I was, a, you know, I've been a singer my whole life. So I know that most of us in our daily lives, we breathe very shallow, right? We breathe from up here in our chest. But once I became aware of breath, because I'm a singer, I realized, okay, Renee, you need to tune in and drop your breath down. So when you breathe, expand your belly, make it feel like a tire. That way you're getting the full breath that you need. And then when you breathe out, you contract the belly and you have so much more breath to work with, right? So that awareness piece is the same with breathing and communication. So um, I do yoga and Tai Chi and those are great. Those, both of those focus on the breath, right? So is there something we can do communication wise, like yoga or or Tai Chi to to practice these things? Well, yes. I mean, how do you help people with that? Yeah. Well, breathing, when we're breathing better and more full, we communicate better, number one, right? Because it calms our nervous system down. It allows us to focus. But when it comes to communication, the first step of what I call my connect method is communication with self. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. So yep. I'm glad you you brought that up. Yeah, communication with self, that sets the foundation, the framework for all of our external communication. And again, why I wrote this book is because this beautiful gift of technology, it is a, it's a gift. But we have to learn how to consciously connect. And what I have seen in my work, in my friendships, in my family, oftentimes what we're doing is we're waking up oh, and we roll over, pick up our phones and check into other people's lives before we've even had our morning coffee. 
And this is such a problem because what we're doing is is telling our inner selves, oh, I don't care about you. Cool. I'm going to worry about Joe Schmo down the street. He just posted something on Instagram. Or I'm going to check my email and just embed myself in my work. And that inner part of us, it's almost like think of our inner selves like a best friend who comes over, right? He or she hasn't seen us. And they're just like, oh my gosh, Dawn, I can't wait to catch up. And instead of sitting with that friend, you're like, yeah, yeah, cool, Sally. I'll see you in a minute. I have to go talk to so-and-so. Oh, yes, Sally, I'll be back. And then you're on your phone. Sally, I'll be back. That friend would be like, oh, my gosh. It wouldn't last very long, that friendship. Well, that's like our inner selves. Every day we're like, yeah, I don't care about what's going on with you. I need to, you know, check my emails and I need to reach out to this person, check LinkedIn, make sure I did this. And the danger there is we're not taking the time to ground ourselves. So a great practice is to wake up every day after you open your eyes, go to the bathroom, do your business, come back to your space and ask yourself this very simple question. How am I feeling? And take out a pen and a piece of paper, not the notes app on your phone. Put your phone aside, turn it down, get it out of the room if you can. Put pen to paper and allow yourself to answer. Take five to 10 minutes. And even if for the first minute, nothing comes to mind and you're like, why did this girl Renee tell me to do this? That's okay. Keep writing. Because what you're doing is you're activating that stream of consciousness, which pulls the thoughts out of your subconscious mind. Those thoughts we don't know are there. We're we're oblivious sometimes that there's even stuff going on in that subconscious mind because it's just like a sponge. We pull those thoughts into our conscious mind through our hand and onto the page. And then when you're finished writing, you can look back at it and it's like a beautiful insight into what's going on within. Like sometimes I'll look back and I'll be like, oh, I thought I was over that argument with my husband, but I guess I'm not because I'm still writing about it. And it it sounds silly, but this is super powerful because now we are starting our day with ourselves. So then we feel grounded. And even if things get activated a little bit, like, oh, I forgot about that thing that's bothering me, you're at least aware of it now. So you're not operating in your external relationships from an unconscious place that's driving those conversations. And that's the reason why oftentimes so many people are just really feeling really scattered and they're they're short-tempered and they just feel, ugh, like I, I gotta get over this day. This day is already sucking. Well, it's because they haven't taken the time to stop, be with themselves, and then operate from there. So just ask yourself, how am I feeling? And then at night before bed, do the same thing. How am I feeling? Allow yourself to write. And then your mind is a bit more clear so you can get good sleep. Gotcha. So in in your book, you talk about the, there's three ways. Is that one of the three ways then? Um, yeah. You mean for communication? For, for communicating with yourself. Yeah. Communicating with self. That is, yes, the biggest way is really sitting okay. with yourself, asking that question. Another way is, is quieting the mind. You know, I'm a big meditator, big, big meditator. Um, and for those of you who feel scared when you hear that word meditation. I was one of those because I always was so plagued by the fact that I have to clear my mind of any and all thoughts. How am I going to do that? Because I have a very active mind. And then it's like, no, you're going to bear witness to the mind. Just watch the thoughts. Don't, Don't get involved with them. Let them go. Let them sway. 
And then the third way is exercise, moving mm-hmm. your body. And I know you get this, Dawn. If oh, yeah. we are not moving, now I don't mean you have to go run like an Olympian or do CrossFit, but move your body in the way that feels good to you. I love to dance. Dance is my biggest way to move. What it does is it gets that stagnant energy in our bodies. It gets it moving. So then we turn that stagnant energy into fuel. And when we have that fuel, now we have more energy. Now we have more focus. And now we can communicate from a more clear space. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I, I did that. Uh, I did a series on on happiness, things that we could do yeah. to improve our level of happiness and exercise. The science on exercise is just amazing. In fact, just this past week, I read an article on the newsfeed about walking, yeah. simply walking, right? Yes. And the um, people who walked over, I think it was 4,500 steps had just off the charts differences in longevity, um, living longer, but also living better. So couldn't agree more. um, And Dawn, I want to give this as an example. I was coaching a gentleman and we were working on him crafting his story, right? His, His story to connect with his audience. He was a top high level financial advisor. And he was like racking his brain, trying to think of a story. He's like, Renee, I don't have a story. I said, Ben, you have a story. And after like 30 minutes of this, I said, all right, Ben, get up, get up. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, just walk. I want you to walk back and forth, pace, walk around the room. Within three minutes, I kid you not. He was like, I got it. I said, I do it. <laughs> you needed to activate, right? And and again, we are so used to sitting on our butts, right? Behind the computer, blue light staring at us. No wonder why we can't think clear. It's hard to focus. It's hard to listen. That's why we must, must, must move our bodies. And that's so, so big for me. It's so, and I know it because I went from a performer, eight shows a week, constantly physical to then sitting behind a computer. And there was one day, Dawn, where I was like, oh my gosh, I just don't feel myself. Like, what is going on? And I had back-to-back Zoom meetings. And after like the second hour, I was like, what is happening with me? And I was like, I didn't move. And I got up. I put on some songs that I love. I danced around for five minutes, came back for my next meeting. And I was like, I'm a different person. I'm a different person. Right? Yes. So last month I, I got an Apple Watch. And one of the things it has on there is a hourly order to stand stand up it's the best it's good because I I'm guilty I you know I get engrossed in something I mean I can sit at my desk for four or five six hours right and and time goes by and you're just engrossed in what you're doing and also it's like oh my gosh you know you go to stand up and you're like "Ah." (laughs) right so just just one minute I mean even one One minute. minute is, is something to get, get the, the body moving, but yeah, you know, there, there's a, an example of using a device, right. To add richness yes. to your life and improve yes. your life. So, yes. you know, it's a it bl- can be used for good. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because in, in chapter two, that's what we talk about. We talk about what, what, how technology has improved our lives and how it has inhibited our lives. And it's just a great reminder. And that's one of the ways that it improves our lives, right? These devices, Instead of using the devices to work against ourselves, let's use our devices to work for ourselves. So often we're, we're, we're going into these digital applications to compare ourselves, to judge ourselves, to, to prove how good we are not. 
because we're looking at other people's perceived realities. No, like Dawn said, put on the Apple Watch. Remind yourself to stand. Check your heart rate. You know, check in with your body. How are you feeling? How are you doing? That is the way that we use our digital devices to help us. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. I'm so happy to have you with me for the Life in Paradise podcast. I love our listeners and fans and we'd love to show our appreciation for you supporting the show. So please head over to lifeinparadisepodcast.com where you can find free resources mentioned in the show and also register for our gifts, prizes, and swag. I'd also love to hear from you. So there's a place on that page to submit your questions, comments, and requests so I can serve you better. And if I answer your question on the show, we'll send you a free gift. Um, you talk a little bit about perfectionism in your book. Oh, yeah. Yes, Dawn. I am a reformed perfectionist, I like to say. I lived most of my life as a perfectionist, beating myself up. And and you have to understand too, besides that being part of my personality, then I enter one of the hardest fields there are in that space, entertainment, right? You're too short. You look too Italian. You're not Italian enough. I need someone blonde, right? I mean, there's so much judgment because you get, you know, you get the role if you fit the bill. So I could be the most talented, but if they need a blonde and I'm a brunette, I'm not getting the job, right? So it can feel really personal. So that perfectionist tendency really kicks in because you're like, oh gosh, all right, I got to work harder. I got to do this more. I got to do that more. And man, it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve us because again, it makes us work against ourselves. And that's the the last chapter of the book. And I talk about how the way to overcome that idea of perfectionism for my entrepreneurs out there, my business owners, not putting that product on the market until you feel it's perfect or not writing that email or sharing that content on social media until it's what you perceive as perfect. Trust me when I say you are holding yourself back, you are missing opportunities, you are wasting energy, and you're wasting the one thing we cannot get back, time. So the way, the antidote to this, which I love so much, and I believe this, I preach this, I practice it, is taking imperfect action. And that means doing the damn thing, even when you're afraid pressing record on that video, even though you hate the way you talk on video and you hate the way you look, speaking up to that person in your business, even though it's scary. Because what happens is 
When we do those things in spite of fear, even though it feels uncomfortable, after it's done, even if it's messy, even if it's not how we would want it to be, we look back and we go, whoa, I did that. Even though I hate getting on camera and I did a video, oh my gosh, I did it. Good job, Renee. And then before you know it, these little nuggets of confidence are developed and those nuggets turn into armors of self-belief. And before you know it, you'll look back at you and what you've accomplished, just say six months or a year, and you'll go, whoa, I did all that. And you may have done it scared, but it doesn't matter because you did it. And that is how we develop the confidence that we are designed to have. Well, and I think too, it also builds connection because, you know, what I've learned um, since I've been in the online world is you take the audience with you right? They, you, they see you in the beginning and they see you grow and evolve. And we've watched this, right? People that we follow, you know, maybe, you know, some of my mentors, like I look at some of their earlier videos versus, you know, a year or two later, and you can see the growth, but that's exciting, Mm -hmm. right? That makes you connect with them even more that they didn't start out this perfect being, you know, um, they just went out there, they put themselves out there and, and, uh, grew and evolved. And that's exciting for, for our fans, our followers, our, you know, sphere of influence to be able to watch that journey with us, I think. Yes, I agree a, a thousand percent. And remember this, if if you are holding yourself back, if you're feeling like, ah, oh, yeah, but that's not cool for me. Trust me when I say it's not about perfection, it's about connection. Some of my most watched, liked, commented on videos were videos that I did on the fly and I was in a moment and it was very vulnerable and honest and real. And I was like, Hey guys, I just need to hop on this video because I was just feeling this way. And I knew that if I was feeling this, you were probably feeling it too, or at least one of you or many of you. And I thought, why not share this to let you know you're not alone? And I click post. And before I know it, I'm like, you have to be kidding me. I spent two hours the other day working on this video until it was just right. And I got no likes. And it just goes to show that the parts of ourselves that we want to hide the most are often the parts that people connect with us the most. So just think of that, you know, when you get caught in the, I call it the three act play, right? The three act play, the mental ruminations we go through. Should I do that? Should I talk to that person? I don't know. I'm not good enough. Should I post the video? Instead of wasting all that time, just think, just think I'm going to do it because you know what? The less I think the better it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I want to, uh, move on and ask you about the, the, toward the ends of end of your book, you talk about claiming who you want to be. Of course, the name of my book is claim your dream life. So I'm all about claiming it. Right. So, um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, absolutely. We all have our insecurities. We all have those things that hold us back. And no matter who you look up to, those speakers you watch on YouTube or those influencers, you may like, trust me when I say, They all have insecurities. I had the honor. I played Mary Delgado in Clint Eastwood's Jersey Boys movie. And I've had the honor of being around some of the greatest celebrities and the greatest film actors. And I'm here to tell you, they have fears and insecurities. You would never know it, but they do. So 
step one, as I said, that communication with self is to get clear on what are those things that hold me back? Like, what don't I like so much about myself that I'd like to work on? Where can the improvements be made? What am I great at? And then taking those things that do hold you back, right? Recognizing what is it that makes you never click record on that video? Oh, I just get too nervous and it makes me feel like I sound stupid. Okay, great. So write down on a piece of paper, I I feel like I sound stupid. And that's in a left-hand column. Just take a piece of paper. And then on the right hand, I want you to write your I claim statement. And this is a declaration to the universe stating that you already have that which you desire. So for example, on the left side, it says, um, I hate that I sound stupid when I'm on video. And then on the right side, I claim that I speak with confidence on video. And then transfer those I claim statements to post-its. They're my favorite investment in the world. And I post those I claim statements all over the freaking place so I can see them when I'm brushing my teeth, when I open my computer. And then I say it aloud. And why? Because when we verbalize something, it magnifies it a hundred times. So claiming, I claim I speak with confidence on video. I claim I am a master communicator. I claim I look beautiful on film. I claim I speak with eloquence. Whatever that is for you, the first step is to get clear on what holds you back and then create the I claim statement, which is the opposite of that. Yeah. And I think that uh, that confidence is so, so important because, and you, I know you talk about getting out of your comfort zone in the book a lot, but I, I really want you to share with the listeners what you did to get that Mary Delgado part, because I just love that, that moxie that you, it came from your confidence, obviously, or you wouldn't have done it. So would you mind sharing that story? Of course, of course. In 2013, I was playing the role of Frankie Valley's wife, Mary Delgado in Jersey Boys on Broadway. And one Sunday matinee, I'm on stage with my cast members, uh, my my female cast members, and we're singing, my boyfriend's back and he's going to be in trouble. Hey, la, hey, la, my boyfriend's back. And I look in the audience and 10 rows staring back at me is the legend himself, Clint Eastwood. We got word that they were going to be doing a film version of Jersey Boys and Clint Eastwood was the director. Truth be told, like many of you, I discounted myself right away. Oh, they're going to hire an A-list celebrity out of Los Angeles. Marissa Tomei is going to play my role. Didn't think much of it until they started calling people in from our cast to audition. They were looking for a Mary Delgado. And I'm thinking, well, I've never done a film before. I never did TV, never did film. It would be cool to be a part of a movie, even if I was a, a face in a crowd scene. So my agent and I tried and tried to get me an appointment for the role of Mary. A few weeks later, she calls me and she says, Renee, I'm so sorry. I don't know what it is. They won't see you for the role of Mary, but they'll give you an appointment to audition for one of the smaller roles, one of the angels who sings my boyfriend's back. Now, Dawn, you have to picture this, right? Like I hang up the phone and I'm just so frustrated and confused because I'm like, I'm playing the role at the highest level I could be. And they won't even give me an audition like for for my business, my my business members out there. This is the equivalent of an interview. Right. So they wouldn't give me the interview. And I'm like, but I'm playing her. So needless to say, I was frustrated. I felt my feelings. I cried. I, 
you know, took 30 minutes. That's an important part of communication with self, feeling your feelings. And after about 30 minutes, I threw my hands up physically and spiritually and said, what am I going to do? I'm still going to go in and audition for one of the angels. I'm in the audition that day. And the casting director and I are having a great conversation. And then he says, Renee, would you like to sing the song first or read the scene? And at that moment, I heard this quiet voice within say, you have to do this. It feels too right. And before I knew it, I looked at the casting director in the eyes and I said, you know, Jeff, I was really hoping to come in and read for the role of Mary Delgado. (laughs) And he looked at me and he goes, I was just thinking the same thing. And I'm like, amazing. Awesome. So I do the audition that day leave there feeling so grateful that I got the chance. And then two weeks later, my agent calls and she says, you're Mary Delgado in the movie. Clint Eastwood loves you. And I'm like, like it was surreal. Cut to the first day heading to film my first scene. It felt like jumping off of a cliff. Like my, the butterflies were floating around in my stomach. And again, I heard that quiet voice within say, Renee, you have to do this. I'm so sorry. That was before. The little voice said, Renee, trust in your talent and leap. Clint Eastwood hired you. So I said, all right. So I go to the location. Everyone says, Renee, welcome. And then up to my right side walks the man himself, Clint. And he says, you know, I went around to all the different casts, but nobody was in your class. And then you came in and put yourself on tape and it was the icing on the cake. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, like this is Clint Eastwood. Every day that I filmed, that day and every day after, I would sit and eat lunch with Mr. Eastwood and ask him everything I could. Clint, what was it like for you growing up? Where did you grow up? What was that camera shot that you said today? How was it when you started acting? Everything I could possibly ask because I knew this was such a special moment in time for me and I wanted to absorb it as much as I possibly could. Month into the film, I'm eating lunch once again, because that's my favorite thing to do. And it's Clint, the producer of the film, and myself. And they're talking about how Clint knew he wanted me for the role when he saw me perform on Broadway. And I put my fork down and I said, do you guys want to hear a funny story? I actually never got an appointment to audition for Mary. The only reason I read the scenes is because I opened up my big mouth in the room and asked. And they looked at each other and they said, what do you mean? We requested you. We said, we want the girl from the Broadway show to come in and audition. I came to find out that day that there was a middle person, casting associate, juggling a few films at once and just dropped the ball. And I love this story so much because it signifies the power of communication. And if I didn't have the ability to speak up in that room that day, I could have missed my once in a lifetime opportunity. And I ask all of you who are listening, how many times in your life have you let an opportunity pass you by because of a fear of speaking up or because of a miscommunication through a text or email or because of just not knowing what to say or how to say it? I will guess the the answer is many a times because we all have. And this is why it's so important that we invest time in learning how to consciously connect. I just love that story. I really do. And and I think that's true. How many missed opportunities are there where people don't speak up and it just passes by and we never get that opportunity back. So thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. I really appreciate it. 
Um, well, before we wrap up, I always like to uh, ask um, one more question. That is, is there anything I didn't ask you that you would like to share before we finish up? I would just like to share this in connection with speaking up. Speaking up is is such an important element of communication. And so many people shy away from it because they have a belief that is this. Communication means confrontation. Communication does not mean confrontation. And by believing they're one and the same, we are denying ourselves beautiful, wonderful opportunities for connection. So remember that the next time you feel held back, when there's something you want to address at work, with a coworker, with a, someone in a personal relationship, speaking up is not just our right, but it's our duty. Uh, thank you. What a yes. great thing to end on. And then I believe you said you might have a free gift for our listeners. Yes. Yes. I have a free resource for you all that's really, really fantastic. And it's 21 ways to use communication to increase business opportunities. This list is amazing. If you start using these 21 tools, I guarantee you're gonna be like, oh, wow, this opportunity happened. I gained this opportunity. This door opened for me. So check out the list and I would love to to hear what you think. And you can reach out to me on my website, reneemarino.com. And there you can find my book. If you'd like to order a copy, I'd love for you to. And yeah, just remember everything starts with communication. And when we learn to master this skill, we become limitless. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your words of wisdom and sharing the great information in your book. And yeah, highly recommend the book. It's amazing. So um, very actionable, lots of exercises and very interactive, which I love as well. So thank Thank you, you, John. So nice to be here with you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Life in Paradise podcast. Did you love this episode? If so, we'd love for you to follow, rate, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We invite you to tune in every week for more inspired insights and wisdom to create your somebody pinch me reality. And until next time, dream big and act on it daily.